This program is in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. Don't miss the call. Join the revolution of the evolving perspective of an awakened consciousness. Are you ready? Join the community at openandclear.com. Hello? Hello? Beware of false prophets, 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 which come to you in sheep's clothing. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into driver's temptation. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may ye shall know them by their fruits. Entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven. Is Reverend Devon Divine a false prophet? For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Sent here to Lord. lead us astray. A doubting, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted. But the rich or is he a spiritual teacher who can guide us to the path of freedom? I'm Dr. Mark. Come with me and partake of his fruit of knowledge. And decide for yourself. Then when the lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow or of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we shall be. Welcome to another episode of False Prophet. This is Dr. Mark here with Reverend Devin Devine on this November 20th episode. Wow, yeah. Hello, hello. Sounding good today. That's good. (laughs) Good. How's it going? Pretty good. No complaints. Oh, that's good. And then your mind starts wandering and you're like, what is the point? Why am I here? (laughs) Strange how we find find comfort and peace and then we're like, what's the point of it, right? (laughs) Right. Like, Too much. I, I got everything I ever wanted, and now why am I doing this? Uh, interesting. Yeah, 
been a good week. Am, I, I, am I disturbing you while you're doing your laundry or something? Is it? I know. <laughs> Adjusting. <laughs> I'm like, let me just do some stuff here. Should I call back it's later? Multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I spent the morning talking to my roommate today <clears throat> about school and stuff and I noticed I noticed um throughout school and all the stuff that I've been doing the thing that made it so that I had a good learning experience or a bad learning experience often came down to the quality of the teacher like if I had a really good teacher who really just like jived with me like I learned it really well and I felt super smart and I'm like yeah this is my purpose and I'm in my my essence and I'm doing awesome you know but if I had a really bad teacher, it just derailed everything. Now, how would so you define good teacher? How would you describe I know, like, that? I mean, what makes them a good teacher? That's what I was thinking. Like teachers who were able to take a really complex idea and break it down to something I could understand into bite-sized pieces that I could get. They spoke to something my intellect could understand, as opposed to teachers who were like, uh. I'm trying to break it down. It's not any more simple than that. If you're not getting it, you're just stupid. <laughs> okay. So they speak on a relatable level about something that, and then you move up into that more complexity idea. Right. Okay. And you always hear like, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah. like, how do you... How do you go and find those teachers for things to teach you? <laughs> well, that kind of defeats the whole purpose that when you're really ready, they will appear, right? I mean, you don't have to look <laughs> for them. It's not, it's not when the student is ready, they will search all over the planet and then find them. <laughs> it, it's natural condition because of what the nature of the world actually is, like in the reflection of your mind, that when you are an honest, true student, there is an honest, true teacher there for you. So it's that mm -hmm. honest, true, meaning a fully willingness to learn, like uh, an acceptance that you don't know, and an acceptance uh, that you really honestly are open to hearing how it is or learning how it is. Mm -hmm. Often uh, there's teachers all around, often. And yet, someone's sitting there saying, no, I know everything, I don't need to hear what you have to teach me, uh, kind of subconsciously. And they're not concerned with how this person would teach them or anything, or even if it is teaching, until they're willing to be wrong or willing to hear what they have to say and to learn what they have to say, then they become a teacher. They, you, you naturally start seeing teachers. You're, you're actually looking for a teacher opposed to I'm looking to be a teacher or I'm just <laughs> among other people knowing everything or knowing all that I want to know. Right. So, so, I mean, the teacher that you're looking for is always available, somehow prevalent in your mind and in your experience. And you just have to simply recognize they have something that you want to know or want to learn. Which means you don't have yet. Could be anyone. 
so we can't go in with this predefined idea of what we think we're going to find. Yeah, yeah. This is what getting stones so great about, is everything's an aha. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've participated in that before, but I lived in Hawaii, and it's around every corner, oh. so... Uh, as far as that experience, it's like, oh, everybody becomes, you know, revelatory. Everything they have to say is, oh, you know, you you become in a mindset that you're looking for this aha. And something, when you're, you know, out of that, you're completely coherent and in a right or good mind or clear mind. That's a good word. Then, you know, you're like, what was so great about them saying that? I don't, I don't understand it. But that whole idea of trying to understand it is, it was the position of, no, you were in a place that you didn't know what it was about and opened up to something new. But what, usually mm -hmm. when you're trying to understand it, you're trying to confine it to your perceptions, which means I'm trying to make it make sense into something I know instead of something I don't know. So the understanding, uh, coming to God and, and really asking for something truth, as we talked about a lot last time, was that you, it's, it really involves not knowing and com being completely empty-handed. You can't confine it to your limits and expect something outside of those limits. <laughs> That's funny because as I'm looking for a teacher... I'm like, I'm sick of not knowing. I want to know something. And so I know that there's a teacher that I know, and I want to know that teacher so I can know more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but really, maybe I should stop trying to know and just let it happen. Well, I mean, it depends on what you see as the reason, I suppose. Because if it is to just eventually have all the knowledge of all the universe, uh, mm -hmm. it would involve... I mean, as far as going in that direction, yeah, learning everything you possibly can in the physical world and all the knowledge of the physical world. Yeah, but, it, yeah, but if you really want to know something on a wholly different plane of existence, you have to go on to that holy plane of a different plane of existence. You know, say the knowledge of God, it really involves a completely different dimensional perspective. So you have to think in correspondence to that dimensional perspective. Knowledge is is not the same as one, two, three, and A, B, C. You know, it's not mm -hmm. it's not the same as information and what it seems to be about how things work. As far as the knowledge of God is concerned, to re make it somewhat relatable, it's the way you're living your life right now. That the knowledge is firsthand what it's like to feel the angst and pain and and satisfaction of Mark. That's first-hand knowledge. That's the knowledge of God in partiality. But as far as what God is concerned, it's through that same type of intensity of experience through everything and all options of everything. So to experience all of those different variations. Yeah. The totality of everything. Yeah, but it's not so much as in a future tense or coming about as an experience. So it's a little more, it's a little harder to comprehend. 
and that that say is is much more steps from what we were talking of uh, mm. how to comprehend that. So as far as the breaking it down, if you want me to be a good teacher, <laughs> <laughs> we have to start a little sooner. You know what's happening right now, like how does it work with your life right now, and you feel that desire. You know you feel that desire to find out. You want to learn more. But it's, you think it's about information, right? Yeah, and it's not—it's more about experience than information, mm -hmm. and it's that same feeling that is pouring through you, and which is what God created you for, and even the essence of Christ. God created the essence of Christ for, to understand and experience itself as in love and share that love, and Christ exp uh, expanded into the creation of souls and exploration of the spiritual universe of what all this love could look like and be like and then it expanded into this physical world and this expression of personalities and individualities and so on and through that it was its first-hand experience of expanding its own knowledge of taking different perspectives of the same one thing so I mean just like sure you can read a book that takes one direction of how to understand something. Let's say, uh, you know, let's, let's really dumb it down. Okay, so the story of the three little pigs. You know, we got to mm -hmm. get on my level too, you know. So <laughs> so you got the, the story of three little pigs, you know, you got the observer where it's usually told. So you have right. the three little pigs and the wolf. But what about the story of the perspective of the first little pig and the second little pig and what, what it was like to live in a straw house and the fear it felt and even the, the third little pig or what it was like to be the wolf that's why I love this this movie Maleficent because it takes oh, a yeah. different perspective on you know the uh, Cinder what, what story was that? <laughs> Sleeping Beauty isn't it? Yeah. Sleeping Beauty and, and it makes you fall in love with the perspective of the villain that suffered so much and and the whole reason she was doing what she was doing you know right. it, it gives that whole other perspective opposed to a lot of churches and religions just take the perspective of the holy person <laughs> the mm -hmm. good person and everybody else that's outside of that is evil instead of really firsthand understanding them and why they have the motivation to act certain ways like, God's not afraid and is completely impartial of experiencing every th single option, including those that are disguised as evil and those disguised as holy. It's like the mm -hmm. experience is firsthand. Now, what is it like to be the brick house? What is it like to be the ground? What is it like to be the, the fire that burned the, the wolf and so on? Right. You know, like every perspective of every single story then you really can know it now it, it entirely on its own transcends this whole experience of the story at all <laughs> and you get the you know the observer of the story what it's what it's like to be an archangel in the sky literally looking down on these three little pigs dealing with this wolf you know what it's like <laughs> to be this this spirit that's guiding the and trying to uh, tell the wolf not to do what he's going to do and and say, telling the pigs hey go go to your brother's house he's got a maid mm. 
you know, there's so many different perspectives and variations of what is occurring. And, and say God's perspective is knowing the story completely, uh, even, even in the sense of it's done and it's never started. So if you, you go to God and you're like, oh God, I have to deal with this wolf, what should I do? And you, you need a different perspective, or you need to answer from a different perspective than one that's completely impartial to what's occurring. It's like, oh, right. if you're going to God, no, I know the end. It's all going to be fine. Don't worry about what you're doing. And then <laughs> you're like on your own, right? So right. then you go to a different dimensional perspective, as most people reference to someone that can relate more to my story, say angels or Holy Spirit, and that's what Holy Spirit is referenced to as the voice for God, because God's perspective is uncomprehensible. I mean, you can't it, you can't relate to its answers, and so it's now the Holy Spirit translates it into what you're obsessed with, say third dimensional reality and intellect, intelligence, and and it's the teacher breaking it down. Hmm. Opposed to God's just like, hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. I've seen it all is good. We're good. You know, it's all love, you know, even though it's not really like that, but a way of describing it. So we go to these lower, as we're obsessed, uh, we go to these lower perspectives and they can help us and assist us to understand from what is helpful to where we are going. Now, in that, you know, we are understanding in this story, you know, how what is the best guidance to getting me away from this wolf? Like, we think it's about getting away from the wolf to protect me. But really, it's more about the what is the highest and best good. And it is more about the protection of your <laughs> eternal perspective than it is about protection of your finite body. And we think it's about the body. So we misunderstand why God would let this happen. You know, why would God let this wolf eat me? You know, why did I fall into this and it ate my brother? Why did this happen? Or, or whatever. Why is this occurring? And we're misunderstanding that the assistance really is to get out of fantasy dream perspectives, association and obsession, and not so much maintain them. Is that a good place to stop? And you do that. <laughs> Sorry. So you do that by in the experience that you have then? Well, I mean, the guidance that you're having in coming to God is more hoping that we are going to, say, lack of better words, awaken from what we think is going on, opposed to trying to make what we think is going on better. Hmm. So it's more... So Sorry, it's more trying to bring us to God opposed to trying to keep our lives happy and going perfectly. So you still have to chop wood and carry water and live in this world of forms and stuff. Yeah, in that, that way, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's more up to you about, you know, are you chopping the wood correctly or not? You know, that's not the concern of the guidance it's more, you know, going to, <laughs> you, you say, should I chop the wood this way or should I chop the wood that way? And it would say more or less, you know, should you chop the wood? Right. Yeah. 
Like, it, what wood are you talking about? Mm. You know, and then even God's perspective is just like, you know, you're perfect. You know, it's not really in association to <laughs> the question. You're like, oh, should I chop wood this way or chop wood that way? Should I carry water this way or carry water that way? Should I drink the water on the way or save it until the end for everybody or what? And it's like, yeah, you're perfect. Yeah, you're perfect. You know, see, so it has does it. It's like that doesn't help me. You know, like, mm -hmm. and it, it absolutely does, but it's not in my obsession with what I think it's going on. Because we do that. I find myself doing that a lot. Like, I'll ask a question: How do I do something? Or how if? But there's a premise underlying that I'm not even looking at. Like, why is it so important to do this anyway? Yeah. What are you running to or from? Yeah. Like in, in any goal, like to have that, what are you running to and from? You have to divide it from everything else to make it make sense. Or else, you you know, you, you get doing the new project with some deep philosopher of some sort, and they're just like, yeah, but what's the point of the, all of this? You know, and really not getting into the down and dirty. It's like, no, you have to avoid the purpose of the universe and the understanding it just to do this project. You know, worry about the project worry about the lesson you're on and you'll find out what the purpose of the universe is. And if your eyes are too big for your hands, hey, that's a good way to put it, then you know, <laughs> you, you, it's going to be hard to do anything and you, it goes to depression. So it's more like instead of wandering around in your mind, focused on what you're doing and you'll find joy in what you're doing. And that joy being literally the representation of God's you know, image in you, essence in you. See, that's what I need is to be able to <laughs> lead through this thought process, you know? You're like, that's what I need. I need to stop needing things. That's it. I need to just stop needing. I need, I need to grab the thing that I need. I'm always trying to hold it, you know? Don't yeah. let it go. <laughs> yeah, no, you're perfect. It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but you ha you're built in this moment with certain types of motivations. And so you're going to go to where you're going to go to. You're going to find who you're going to need to find to get you to the next level. You know, it's, it's all there. It's all in place. So it's just while you're on the journey... It does seem that you need help, you know, and you need more or, or you're losing or you're gaining or all sorts of things. But in the actual true essence of yourself, you are the journey as much as you are experiencing the journey firsthand. Like you're the places you're going. You're the places you've been. You're the people you talk to and the people you're going to talk to. Mm -hmm. It's cool when I think about that, though. Like, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and it invokes some kind of emotion, and I think it's that person, and then I stop and I'm like, this is all me. This is a story in me yeah. telling me something so that I see something. Yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely a helpful way of looking at it, that you can actually take responsibility of saying, yeah, this, you know they didn't come and pour a bucket of resentment on my face. You know, I, 
I had the resentment in me, you know, and I was talking to one of my stepsons about hatred. They're, they're constantly saying, you know, I hate this, I hate that. And uh, another one said something about, yeah, that was, that's about the age when you start hating everything. And I'm like trying to process what they're talking about. And I'm, I'm realizing that it's, it's in their kind of a stage of where they're starting to compare themselves to other people. And that the only little, little hint I can give them in trying to speak on their level is like, you know, this hatred isn't in something, in, in someone. You know, they don't go around and, and inst or instill or give everybody hatred. It's like hatred right. is in you. You know, hatred is something you've decided about this person, decided about this thing. And even though it seems like it's solid, like your, your taste buds are a certain specific <laughs> way and you hate this type of food, you know, your, ta your, your taste buds change literally like every two years and, and you have an opportunity to, to change them in the way you like. Now, I, you know, I didn't go into that fashion so much, but in, with him, but it, just the recognition that, you know, hatred isn't in the thing you're looking at. Hatred's still in you and finding that responsibility. It's a big responsibility, though. All of it's inside of you and originating from you. You have to own it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and even that perspective, even taking that, uh, there's a lot of different ways of looking that. Like, sometimes when I hear people say that, I think they're talking about just the emotion. Yes, I'm, I'm responsible for how I feel, and they are responsible how they feel, which makes absolute sense. But then it comes into a further degree of this experience that what I what I am, like <laughs> what I am, okay, what the I am is, is responsible for how I feel and responsible for how they feel. So it comes to a whole nother perspective of being, you know, the creator developed us in a fashion of having these certain types of motivations to do the certain types of things that we're called to do and designed mm -hmm. to do. And so it's, it's when some say, you know, I'm responsible for, yes, my feelings. Yes. That's the step. That's a stage going to this, a perspective. It's absolutely true. And yet it leads to a f another aha where, yes, I am responsible for how I feel and I am responsible how for they feel. See how the, it kind of jumps into another perspective. Mm -hmm. I know, to claim the position of the I am. Oof. Right. Can you do that? Can you claim <laughs> to be God? Well, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's like, heaven is God. It's like, it's claiming me. Mm. Like, how can God know your name and not know you? It's like, yeah, God knows you, but God knows you firsthand. That's how God knows you. That's how God knows your name. That's how God knows your feelings. It's because God is within you. God is experiencing you. And everything you think you are is God thinking everything you think you are. 
Right. And it's in, it's interesting. in everyone. Sorry, go ahead. Well, in philosophy, they have this idea of what is knowledge? Like, how do we know anything? And the idea is, do we know anything before experience or after experience? And they've never been able to reconcile the idea of what is experience and what is knowledge. Because knowledge and experience, like, is a type of knowledge. So you're talking about, like, it's not just learning stuff. It's to experience the universe, to have a firsthand personal experience of it. Yeah. Because even the knowledge that you learn and the knowledge that I learn is different, even if it is the same. Like, I remember in math class, uh, not completely knowing how to solve a problem, and I would try and figure it out my way, not completely <laughs> learning how they taught me or say they taught me how to do the problem. And so mm -hmm. I'd, I'd show them how I did it, and I got the right answer. <laughs> But because I did it the wrong way, I got it wrong. I was supposed to right. do the problem a specific way instead of finding out the right answer. So even if I you know, have the same knowledge, the answer, if I didn't do it right in their way, you know, I was deemed as wrong. But that's the difference. That's the thing is like, we can all come to the same knowledge, the same information, the same answer, but we have our different ways of doing it. And so if we don't have our different ways of doing it, or if God doesn't know each and every single one's way of doing it, God doesn't know you. you know, you're a unique perspective, a unique take, a unique way of doing this problem, solving this issue that no one's ever done before. Might be very similar, might be very close to you know, a doppelganger you have on the other side of the planet or mm -hmm. something, but essentially it's unique to you. And that can only be appreciated by understanding the experience. Yeah. And truly, in this comparison to others, it does happen through, you know, being able to recognize what someone else has and someone else does it differently. And, and then recognizing that how, how beautiful it is to be unique, to be your own perspective and how required and necessary it is. You know, if if every cell looked at each other, you know, <laughs> you know, the skin cell looking at the bone cell saying, hey, why is the bone cell doing it this way? Maybe I should as well. You know, and it starts accepting different, you know, hormones, accepting different uh, vitamins and becoming solid just like that. I mean, we got we got a bone growing in where the skin's supposed to be and it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. You know, we got to take that out. It's a cancer, right? And so, I mean, just like us, you know, we're, we're built to be a specific fashion. We're talking about this dimensional perspective and in, in this to be a certain type of way, say, even as the body of Christ, say all the body of the people, I mean, we're not all supposed to be hands or heads or bones. We are unique for a reason. And that perspective is that reason, that offering of that perspective. This this fulfillment of a story. See, I've always wondered that because you're talking like in a math class. I've had that where I got the right answer, but the way that I arrived at the answer was not suitable for the teacher. And I've always kind of wondered that about teachers. As a teacher, can only teach me how to be them. Like yeah. a parent, as a parent, I can only teach my daughter how to become me. 
And at some point, she has to reject that and be her own individual person. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, man. It's more like you're giving them a foundation to build on. You know? Right. It's like, this is what I've learned. Now what can you do with it? Uh, and when it's so rigid, it's often going to be met with rebellion. But uh, when if it's fluid and you teach them the ways of acceptance or the ways of how to learn more or how to think and not so much what to think or what to feel, then they can expand upon it much easier, naturally. You know, <laughs> instead of, you know, you're supposed to be afraid of these things and do these things and avoid these things. Instead of follow your, how do you feel inside? You know, how, how does that make you think about yourself? And what do you, do you feel like a better person doing it that way? Do you feel like you should do it that way? You know, and teach them how to follow guidance, how to follow inspiration, how to follow their instincts, opposed to, you know, it must be this way or that way. Must do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's a much better foundation as far as letting them become their own person and follow what God has in store for them opposed to what you know I have to pass down from seven generations ago right referencing another bible verse right mm. yeah, I've always thought it was a, a teacher who could teach you how to think rather than teaching you to memorize what to think yeah it's always much better yeah that's why I still say, and I'm perfectly fine with it, that I'm not very good with names. And people are like, well, you don't have to be. You can be good at names. And I'm like, no, I, I really don't care to be good at names. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like that information, you know, those those were the classes I didn't really care for. You know, it's it's a rigid, This tell me exactly what this said, your test on exactly what the information is, is to get it right. And yeah, it's more, I'm attracted to this, how can I think better? How can I think different? And I think as far as in those classes of mathematics and learning how to do it my own way, it was much more, you know, much, much better of a skill than the information exactly how, you know, to do it. Like, I'd rather try and figure out how to solve problems myself and know how to figure out and solve problems myself then you know oh exactly what two plus two is you know right. so when you're ready to learn how to think when you're really ready how do you take down those barriers that stops you from seeing the teachers who could help you to like develop the thought process you know that you need to be happy well as i reference to this experience being a labyrinth often you can't say it's going to be the same way or the same barriers every time. But you do recognize if you come into the way of thinking of what a barrier is, then you can recognize when you come to one. So say it, once you understand what a resistance is, then you've found pretty much what a barrier will look like every single time, but it will be a different type of barrier, a different type of resistance. And so what you're actually doing is your teachers are out there every single day. And the ones who show you resentments are also showing you a lesson. And if you are willing to 
recognize those resentments, take responsibility for them, and then get past them through forgiveness or whatever processes you enjoy that allow you to see beyond them, then you can recognize what those people that scared you or, or filled you with hatred or anything had to honestly offer. And in this way, you can see that everyone in the world has some sort of sense of being a savior to you as they're giving you a lesson. You're like, oh, man, this guy really pisses me off. And you're like, oh, an opportunity <laughs> to learn something. And it's not necessarily, you know, specifically from them that they have the information, but the opportunity that spirit is using them to teach you how to, that you have a barrier and how to get past it. So people who bring up those emotions in us, they are our teachers. Yeah, in a way, yep. Like the guy in the, in the car in front of me who flips me off, and I'm like, ah! Yeah. Yeah, if your goal, so as I brought that up earlier, if your goal is to get to higher dimensions, to get to higher understandings beyond this physical world, you have to forgive all of those. You have to let go of all of those. As I claim with my death experience that I did that, and now I actually want to be in this world in a different fashion than I, I did before. Now, you know, my goal isn't to get out anymore. Not currently. I could do that whenever I want to do that. But right now, I want to be in this world in a different fashion. But the only way to be in this world is to have some sort of grievance and resentment. So I get angry on purpose. <sighs> You know, it's it's by me. I'm doing it instead of somebody's doing it to me. So it's a different way of living. Angry. What'd you say? You don't just turn off all your emotions and stuff. Yeah, no, I don't need to hide in a hole somewhere or in a cave somewhere claiming that I want out but never getting out. You know, we can get out at any time. We just need to identify what it is to do to get out and where out is. Right. And while we're disguised of our experience, then it seems hard to find. But really, we just have to be the most level of honesty that we can. That is not just available, but that is in that position of what is out. Say, out of this dream, out of this reality a transcendence, then you're naturally there. Hmm. I'm kind of speaking on, you know, existential stuff that can't really be explained until you do honestly experience it. But it is coming to that, you know, stage in which this finding your blocks is about. Right. So the goal is not necessarily to get out. Well, I think it's a very noble, very perfect goal i think everybody needs to take it upon themselves and come to that decision themselves but if you you know if you don't you're going to live life in a fashion where you're you're suffering from things that keep happening to you right yeah stuck in that cycle and it, it's coming to that decision of either i can transcend the world and go to a complete state of peace and all spiritual universe representation or I can come back with that same understanding, same peace in a physical world 
and still just do things in the same fashion not as if i am been screwing it up being in the wrong place but now that i'm in the right place doing it perfectly fine hey bud i just got a i got a few more minutes with with mark okay you want to say hi say hi say hello oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> And grandma can help you. She's upstairs. Go to grandma. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to? Yeah, I'm talking to Mark for another 15 minutes, okay? How's your little one doing? She's good. She's learned how to bite. How to bite? She's a joy. <laughs> yeah, she's good. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. So we got a second one coming yet? Not yet. One day. Not that you know. Hopefully sooner than later. <laughs> Grandma can help you, buddy, okay? She can get you what you want. Okay, well, don't mind him. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It is interesting to think that everything can be a teacher. It doesn't have to be like a formal person who sits down and gives you a lesson. It doesn't have to be a person at all, does it? It could be like a situation or anything. Yeah, it's kind of like those games or books where you get to make a decision out of it. You know, and the oh, yeah. different ways you take or approach it will bring about different stories, right? And essentially, you're choosing kind of not just your timeline, but like the type of universe you're going to be in by how you respond. And essentially, the ideas of what Jesus is responding to and referencing to all the time is of the nature of the spiritual universe and he's choosing this and continually choosing this and it it seems as if uh, you know everybody else seems to think he's talking to other people but he's only seeing himself and only experiencing love and thinking in correspondence to that spiritual universe which is only that and so his ascension process and you know going to the heavens and whatever however we want to describe what occurred was his recognition of being in correspondence to that, the laws of the spiritual universe. Mm -hmm. yeah. What? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, what? I mean, it blows my mind. <laughs> okay. I'm just like trying to process, there's Jesus sitting there and he's having this conversation with people and they're like, yeah, you're talking to us. And he's like, yeah, but because it's me. I'm talking to me. <laughs> yeah. And the people in the future, who is also me. Yeah. And it's funny, kind of the, the Buddha would do the same thing about talking about the billions of Buddhas in the future and so on. And he, people thought and think that he's talking about someone else. And, you know, he's not entirely talking about anyone else. And his whole experience of being there, you know, I love that people 
would dress like him and be a look like a monk by him and and the, the whole definition that we have nowadays of what a monk looks like is like based off what he chose to do to wear and to dress like but his experience was much different than that you know and most people were just building their image to look like him hoping to gain what he has instead of gaining what he has and naturally making the decision to look like that and the idea is that he was a, being a natural conduit a pure expression of what he was made to be so it was wearing those types of clothes shaving his head or whatever it was that he was doing <laughs> being how he was and people would come to him and be like this this guy is not a guru this guy doesn't have the truth he doesn't have long dreadlocks he doesn't have a, a garland of things and he doesn't wear the dress of the colors and you know, it is what they've deemed at his time to be, you know, a guru or someone of truth. And he, and they'd say, you know, why, why don't you wear these things? Why don't you have these things? Why don't you have your hair growing from when birth and you're wrapped up and all this stuff? Right. And he's like, <laughs> I, he's like, I don't want to. I'm, I'm here to be what I am. And so his haircut like, and his clothes, they yeah. don't make him the guru. They're just who he is. Yeah, exactly. And then on the other hand, he's saying how, you know, stay away from desire, stay away from, you know, it's in people interpret it in the fashion of, you know, not doing what you want, but doing what you are. You know, just do what you are, not uh, who you want to be and how it's been distorted over the years in this fashion of, of you know there's specific ways to do things it's it's funny because in that same time period we had the same approach like we think it's about getting the image is how you get the essence instead of the essence you know gets the image and then you know it's it's the image of god came after the essence of god and so you want to you know recognize who you actually are and then you naturally just start to express in other words, your world, your body starts to express what you actually are. You know, you don't have to be concerned if you're saying it right, doing it right, or, you know, coming out right. It's like people think of this interpretation of A Course of Miracles of when it says, teach only love, for that is what you are. As in, oh, I have to be just loving. I have to say the most loving things. Which just says, oh, you don't know what love is. That's great. But, you know, that's a perspective of interpreting what love is against, you know, the opposition of love as if it's actually real. No, you teach only love for that is what you are is meaning that you can't do anything but teach what you are as in love. So be yourself. Now, we all then have these distortions in our minds of what our self is and resistances to who we could be seen as and what we're afraid of. And so there's all these blocks, again, to what is truly there, what we are truly made to be, and what we, you know, what love is naturally. So that's what the Course of Miracles and many spiritual practices and healing techniques and psychology and stuff is all there for, for us to assist us to, to get around these blocks to finally recognizing what love is. Like if we, you know, if we think what love is has to do with some its opposition, which doesn't exist, then we don't know what love is. Like it's right. on its own. 
it's the only thing that exists. It's not in correspondence with any opposition ideas. So I was talking to someone once that they wanted to be a certain type of person. Like, I want to be this type of person, but I just have trouble doing it. And so it's best to fake it until you make it. To dress the part, to act the part, even if you don't feel it, if it's not coming from your insides, you're trying to fake it. Yeah. What do you think? It has its place. No, it definitely can be helpful, just like anything. But when you find that you've been faking it for years and years, you know, <laughs> and, and you finally get honest with yourself one day when your life is falling apart, and you're like, "Oh, I've been a big fat liar," you know, as you've been confronting that your entire time doing it, you know, it, it's eventually you get into this honest state that, you know, which was the lie, the lie of what I'm being now. Or the lie of what I was. You know, so the fake it till you make it is kind of a recognition that I'm not faking it. I am what I want to be. So this the acceptance whole, of who well, you are. Yeah, this like, uh, I mean, why do you have an idea of what it is you want to fake it to be? It will seem like you're faking it while you believe you're something else. But if you made a decision, like I can make a decision about how I want to be, and I'll be it, completely embodying it. I can do it at any time. And that's the whole idea is like, people think they're one thing and then fake it to be another thing. No, you don't fake it, you actually become it. It's like the whole reason you think you're faking it is because you believe you were something else previous. It's the whole same thing about, you know, who you are as Mark and your physical life. You, you don't recognize that you're faking it being Mark in that same definition. <laughs> and then you're, even the Mark is a construct. Yeah. And then you're faking it to be something else. It's like going through education and to become a doctor and all this confidence that you're gaining in, in your skills and experience is just so that you finally admit you're a doctor. <laughs> but you're not <laughs> faking it now, right? The faking it on the journey was coming from a position, I believe I'm something else, not a doctor, to believing I am a doctor. So once you get to that position of believe, be, believing that you are a doctor, then you won't be faking it anymore. Yeah. We finally can accept what we've always wanted to be. Oh, okay, it's okay that I'm a doctor now. I can accept myself as being this good thing. Yeah. So on that journey, you know, it might congeal into something more, you know, supportive to what you actually are and so on. But I mean, just becoming Mark or becoming Devin was a total lie. And yet this, <laughs> you know, idea of be embodying a lie is not like, is not a problem. It's an expansion. It's just simply with something we're doing. It's not necessarily expansion as in adding on to something good to make it better or, or anything or making it worse. For, I mean, you can't understand even a, that essence of a lie or faking it as in a negative thing unless you have some resentments towards negativity. Like there's no essence of negativity to the actuality of what God is. You can be the worst devil, demonic creature and God says... Hey, man, this is perfect. This is beautiful. Lovely. This is great. Because he has no idea what an opposite to the perfectness that there is. It's not, 
you know, it doesn't change the truth. It's just a way of being it. Right. So, so maybe that's what I'm looking at, too. So, so there's an example right there of what your daughter were, and you want to teach them how to think opposed right. to, you know, opposed to the information. Like, teach them how to, to think, not a specific fashion of, you know, how to be a doctor, teaching them the skills and knowledge, but how to think like a doctor. You know, how does a doctor think? And it's not so much mm -hmm. even about the doctor, but to transcend what you thought you were to transcend in, into what you think you are. So as I'm here looking for some kind of teacher to help me become something, yeah, it's just me trying to have someone tell me, okay, it's okay that you're a doctor now. You can feel yeah. like you're who you want to be. Yeah, you can believe in yourself to be that it's now. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's like, I mean, the whole manifestation that we have in the world of tests and we go through, you know, this board of being accepted in as a doctorate and all this stuff. And it's like they find like, do they accept me as a doctor? Really, it's more or less, did you prove to them that you believe you are a doctor? And right. it's not really about them. It's are you in the position? This is what I am. Or are you in the position of, hey, uh, this is what I'm what doctor looks like? Uh, I don't know. Uh, this is what you want to see. You know, no, they, they want to see. Do you know that you are a doctor? Right. Yeah, it's Do beyond the faking it to that's what you are. It's the same thing with enlightenment. So we already have enlightenment and are just waiting to accept that fact. Yeah. It's, you know, do you want to accept what that has in store for you? You know, it's just like, we are all janitors. Do we all want to do that job? You know? <laughs> do we all want to do that? No, we're kind of curious and desiring other jobs, other ideas, other positions in life. You know, and it's more of a recognition of whatever we're doing, we're choosing and creating and developing our reality to embody it. To experience it. And there's not like a right way or a wrong way. No. Like no. That we, you, you don't want to be a janitor. You want to be the guy at the top. Your experience should be better, isn't it? Yeah, the right way or the wrong way is kind of referencing to the job itself. And it's not so much... Uh, referencing to do you believe that you are this job do you believe that you are it and as much as we're taking this position of recognizing it in this fashion is like it's not so much about being a janitor it's not so much about being a doctor it's really just do you completely believe that you are worthy of doing this like you are this like it is what you are I, right. Like as much as I I agree with, yeah. Don't don't fake it till you make it. Uh, stay honest with yourself. It's like yeah, if that's what you want to be, honest with yourself is that. <laughs> so if you are a doctor just waiting to go through education, being honest with yourself is already done with the education as a doctor. Right. 
So it's knowing your purpose, knowing where you're going, knowing what you're designed to do, and accepting that. But if you are obsessed with the past, thinking, oh no, this isn't what I'm meant to do, then yeah, you're meant to go play with blocks and go play with your, eat your toes like my baby does, and, <laughs> you know, and not expand into what you could be. I mean, it's how honest do you need to get? And so it's like, yeah, the spiritual nature of the soul and everything and, and coming out of the world and in the same sense. And what I, you know, my death experience is like honesty has nothing to do with reality. Honesty has simply to do with what I'm designed to be. And so if I accept my design, then I'm being completely honest with myself. Now, that self that I'm being honest with isn't the person, isn't the design. It's who the designer is. The designer is, had made me as my identity is focused on being a body and a personality, then I'm being honest with, in better words, God and my creation. Or its creation, sorry. <laughs> well, so as you look at your identity then, do you have a static identity? Or is it always this process of becoming? Yeah, so you got totally different dimensional perspectives in that, in the what is true. <laughs> becoming, you know, and this whole aesthetic identity. It it will seem as such as if you're, you know, but really you just have, you know, a bunch of books in your backpack and you keep pulling them out, you know, saying this is my identity, this is how I approach things, this is how I do it. You know, and eventually you put down those books and grab some other books and you might just take one out and put another one in and, and you, you're switching up your identity all the time. But what is switching up its identity? You know, what is that essence that is actually you is a whole nother story. So that, that you know, is, doesn't have an identity at all. And that's actually in the dimension of what developed all identities, you know, this Christ consciousness. Right. You know, that whole yoke thing, put, you know, all your yokes and blah, 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 whatever Jesus said. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's actually not referring to your pains and suffering, but referring to the beliefs in pains and suffering. And then you can actually surrender them, those books in your backpack, and what you believe is your reality to accept a whole nother identity of reality. So, I hate to break this wonderful role we're on this is a good right. conversation <laughs> <laughs> assuming you're talking too I, i'm rambling on here no i'm loving it awesome so who are you <laughs> see that that brings up a whole nother perspective oh man right you can't really say who you are right but you can be anything in any time and anything say i am yeah, any, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Mark, for talking with us, joining with us. If you want to contact either of us or send some questions our way, openandclear.com. Hit contact. All right, have a beautiful day, Mark. Yeah. And everybody out there, stay lovely. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it's good. <laughs>